It's 6 a.m. Rise and Shine. Let's talk sports and welcome to The Grind. And good Friday to you and welcome inside the Property Squad studios at WKVL and Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser and you're listening to the Friday edition of The Grind. Excited to be in here on another Friday, Payday Friday. Always fun to be in on these. And uh, it's fun to talk uh, Super Bowl. It's fun to talk Tennessee basketball, Tennessee Lady Vols basketball, and talk Super Bowl history. As we'll cap off what's been a week of top fives in different position groups. And we'll finish up today with what wins championships, defense. We'll talk a lot about that as the show goes along. But I want to kick off today's show with uh, Tennessee basketball, Tennessee Lady Vols basketball. Lady Vols had a matchup last night to where they saw the, the Lady Commodores of Vanderbilt in Nashville. Uh, not the prettiest of games, but nonetheless a Tennessee victory. 78-69 over the Lady Commodores. If you look at the matchup, it was one where Renan Davis had 22 points to lead then now number 22 Tennessee to a 78-69 victory uh, in Memorial Coliseum. Davis scored 16 of her points in the second half to hit double figures uh, for the 19th straight game and for the 33rd time in her last 34 games. Jasmine Massengale was Tennessee's next leading scorer. She had 14 points. And Jordan Horston and Ray Burrell each turned in 11. Uh, Vanderbilt 12 and 9 now was led by Coy Love, who had 16 points. Kiara Pearl had 13. They had a couple girls uh, that really was able to to get out and transition and, and score the basketball. Davis and Massengill got UT out to a 4-0 lead to start the game, but Vandy kind of jumped back in and got up six to four three minutes into the to the matchup. Horston hit a baseline three to put the Lady Vols back on top, but then the Lady, the, but then Vandy uh, jumped out to an eight and two run to lead by five with just over two minutes to go. The team traded buckets to close out the period, but Jordan Cambridge banked in a long range jumper at the buzzer to extend Vanderbilt's lead to twenty one fifteen at the end of one. I'll be honest with you, that was the that shot doesn't bank in ninety nine out of a hundred. That was one of those shots that just make you mad because it just shouldn't have went in. It should have been high off the glass and and just didn't. It went. It dropped. I, I don't know uh, what happened. But Tennessee obviously uh, got a little frustrated with the first quarter output and began to, uh, to take a big-time step in the second quarter as Burrell gave UT a spark to start the second quarter, knocking down a big three-pointer on UT's first possession to cut the deficit to three. She would get it again just a minute and a half later, converting an old-fashioned three-point play for Tennessee to get the lead back 23-21. to Vandy scored on a layup to tie it back up with just under four minutes to go in the quarter, but UT held Vanderbilt scoreless for another three and a half minutes while putting 11 points in the in the uh, score column and then stretched the lead out 34-23. to Pearl had a, a, a good... Shot there with about two minutes to go to stop the drought, but 
Vandy had a only a nine-point output in that first quarter. But as you look, it went 35-30, to 30, went to the half, and, and Tennessee uh, was in control, but not as much as, as other teams. And the reason I say that is, is if you look at Vandy's schedule the last few weeks, I mean, I, I can't remember who it was. It was an SEC team, scored 100 on them. Might have been South Carolina. The next team scored 96. You, you know, so, so I guess Tennessee – fans and 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 in my house my father-in-law myself my wife we all were like what's going on and we turned the basketball over I, I still think we make sluffy pass sluffy passes I don't even know if that's a real word it is today but sl- making making just slouchy passes and, and kind of just just hoping that they get there and Vandy's pretty quick and was able to cut through some of those and uh and, and turn them the other way I, I'll be honest I think we were we were much more and a nine-point lead uh, better than this Vanderbilt team. But at the end of the day, they battled a little bit. And uh, and we had some miscues that led uh, to some of this, uh, this kind of uh, close game. The teams traded baskets to open the second half. UT maintained a five-point advantage. Uh, and then, basically, Vandy came back and hit back-to-back buckets to cut the lead 42-41. Vandy would reclaim the lead in the second half. Uh, after a layup by Love, the lead would change hands three more times before Renia Davis hit a big three-point shot to set off a 7-0 UT run that would put the Big Orange ahead 51-46 to with just over two minutes remaining in the quarter. The, the Commodore scored three points on free throws before Davis hit a layup to set the score at 53-49 heading into the final quarter. Massengale kicked off the fourth with a steal and a score, and Burrell followed it up by running jumper on the next possession to stretch Tennessee's lead to eight. At that point, you saw you saw Vandy get a little frantic. Love turned in three points for Vandy, but Horston and Davis scored on back-to-back plays to build the lead to nine. The lead would remain at nine until 6.48 to go in the game when Pearl hit a three to give Vandy some life. Tennessee answered with another 6-0 run to push the lead to 12. UT maintained its double-digit lead until the final seconds as Hall for Vanderbilt hit a three-point leader to cut the lead to nine, uh, giving the Lady Vols the 78-69 victory. It's a great thing. It's a great thing that that Tennessee gets the win because, again, you know, and I and I think in year one, I think we've seen the, the win against Notre Dame, and, it, and it's like this in any Tennessee sport, and, and anybody that, that doesn't agree, just please give me a call, 865-983-43. One zero, but in any Tennessee sport, the worst thing that can happen to a coach is a big win. <laughs> and I know everybody's like, "What do you mean? How how could you say that? Like, you got to get the big wins. That's that's the thing. That's why we hire them." Yeah, but uh, you know, Notre Dame has proven to to be a good basketball team, but not a great basketball team. This Lady Vols team beat them earlier in the season with really not one of their best performances. Had a ton of turnovers in the game. Just was able to shoot their way out of it. But then all these accolades and all these things started pouring on Tennessee. And Tennessee's still a top 25 team. So I think that's a that's a confidence booster in the grand scheme. Holly would have had us out of the top 25 by now. But, but, I continue to tell everybody. It, it's just like last night. There was some frustration about what was going on on the floor. And, and my opinion was, oh, Okay, well, let's hit the easy button. Let's just go find somebody else. That's what that's what everybody would say. 
Let, let's just fire people. No. Has anybody ever heard of, of having to, to, you know, change a culture to knock the knock the, the lazy out of somebody or, or whatever? I think that's what's going on. I don't think it's necessarily that anybody doesn't want to play hard or that they can't play hard or that they're not, you know, that they don't have it to be able to play hard. I think it's just a matter of, of there's a culture shift. I think there's a lot of schematic changes. I think there's verbiage changes, you know, in what this means and how, how to react to certain things. And, and just quite frankly, every time we get good at one thing, we, we let the other part go, and that's youth, that's inexperience, that's that's a lot of different things in people being in other, ro- in other roles uh, for this basketball team. But, you know, nonetheless, Tennessee gets the nine-point victory. Over the Commodores, 78-69. to Lady Vols can't sleep on this victory a whole lot as they have to travel to Columbia, South Carolina to take on the number one team in the country, South Carolina, 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday has a huge matchup. Tennessee, South Carolina on the ladies' side of things, and then Super Bowl Sunday in the afternoon. Sounds like a really good day after church services uh, to be able to take care of of what you need to take care of. But the game uh, Sunday will be televised on ESPN2 and, of course, on the Lady Vol Network. Uh, Tennessee team effort. Tennessee had four players in double figures against Vandy. That's huge. Just to have some some shared uh, success. Davis, of course, led the way with 22. Massengill, 14. Burrell and Horston with 11. And they all uh, – and, and every player who saw action contributed at least two points. And I, and I think that's – that's that's pennies right now, but I think that's money in the bank later on as you look and you say, uh, you know, this guy, this lady has game experience. This lady can do this, and they can do what we need them to do uh, down the stretch. But I think, you know, you got to win ugly. You know, uh, an ugly win still a lot better than a loss. And, I, and I'll say that until I'm blue in the face because Lord knows we've been on the losing side. Five straight losses to Alabama for the Lady Vols, and that ugly win the other night – was beautiful. Last night, Vandy, who had stunk it up with the rest of the SEC, came in with a chip on their shoulder wanting to show that they could win, and we withstood the storm and beat that team. You got it. You got to be all right with winning. You can't ever apologize for winning. And the thing is, can we get better? Can we not turn the basketball over? Yeah. But I think it's baby steps, and we got to get there. So I think uh, Coach Kelly Harper uh, needs to kind of get this win. Uh, kind of be happy about that part, but at the same rate, look to uh, to move this thing forward uh, and try to get uh, probably their biggest two-game stretch of the season uh, in front of them and, and try to get those games in front of them and behind them. As, as South Carolina Sunday and then Mississippi State will be next Thursday. It's a, it's a bang-bang week, but uh, that's, why you, that's why you do it at the highest level. Uh, I think this will be the biggest test of Kelly Harper's tenure, and I think it'll be a big test uh, for these young Lady Vols. 17-4 is the record currently. Two-game win streak, 11-1 at home, 6-3 on the road, and we'll have to head to Columbia, South Carolina, and then it'll be in Knoxville for Mississippi State. The men, however, uh, they've uh, they've had a little bit of a streak, a little bit of an off time uh, as they played just earlier in the week. Uh, a loss Tuesday night to Texas A&M on a two-game skid, but two losses, one to a, a number three team in the country and one to a not-so-good 
Texas A&M bunch. Saturday, Mississippi State comes to town, and Mississippi State's a really good basketball team. I mean, you look at them, and they, they've won some really big games. They've, they've had some. I mean, they've had some stump-toe moments. But, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, they're a really good basketball team. A lot of really good all-SEC players uh, to be to be had here. And, and honestly, uh, you know, I, I see this being a battle for Tennessee, and they've got to play really good. Uh, and, and, and I think that's what you want. You, Tennessee's, they need tough games. And this is a young team, and we talk about taking our lumps, but a 13-7 and Mississippi State team coming to town, that's what – or going to Starkville, I apologize. 13-7 and home team in Mississippi State, that's a, good, that's a good measuring stick for this basketball team. And I know every week we have measuring stick games, if, if you listen to me. But with a young team like this, uh, I mean, their tool belt's pretty dry. You know, they got a hammer, a screwdriver, and that may be about it right now. But every time we, we, we battle somebody, every time we go to a Kansas, every time we go on the road in the Southeastern Conference, I think, I think you gain things. I think you put things in that tool belt. Oh, I can play at this level. Oh, he's big, but he's not that big. And I think you look at some of their wins – that that Mississippi State's seen uh, a lot of them. They're 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 decent at home. They're nine and two, but they are beatable. Obviously, have seen two losses in their place. Uh, and I'm trying to trying to dig those up. New Mexico State took uh, took them down in Jackson, Mississippi, Mississippi Coliseum, uh, 58-52. So you, you'd like to think some of those are going to help. But in Starkville, they've lost to Auburn, 80 to 68. Where else? I'm trying to scroll on down. Looks like they may be counting that Jackson game uh, as as the loss as well. But uh, but if you look at it, Auburn took them down. They've lost to Alabama. They've lost to LSU, uh, which we also did. Uh, but but you look at some common opponents. Uh, they 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 beat Missouri very well. Uh, they played Georgia 91-58, which again I put that as an asterisk. I put that as an asterisk because Georgia came in and played lights out against us. They lost to Oklahoma in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and then they beat Florida in Gainesville 78-71. Let's hope that they're riding high off a big victory and let the guard down as Tennessee comes to town. Because honestly, looking at our roster, we're, we're ready for a big, big game. Jordan Bowden's began to climb out of what was a, a long overdue slump. But at the same rate, uh, we've got a lot of growing to do. Josiah James has to get aggressive. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. And I think Coach Barnes is like beating his head against the wall when he's not beating it against the shoulder of a, of a referee. Um, and really wanting, you know, Josiah to, to kind of take over. I think you see Viscovi stepping in and doing his thing. I think you see, you know, Plovsic trying to get in there. I, I think there's some limitations there. Uh, again, Coach Barnes seems to want to get him in uh, slower rather than force him out there, and I think he's a, he gives some liability on the defensive end. But I, I think you got to ride high with the emotion of John Fulkerson. I think you've got you've got to uh, to ride with the athleticism of Eve Ponds, and then let these freshmen play. I mean, get out there and do what you know to do. The good thing is, is you got on paper now what not to do. I think Tuesday night was a good example of that. Don't do that. Don't look this way. And so I think since Tuesday night, they've done some practice 
and they they've hopefully looked at a lot of different things because if you look if you look at the a and m recap i mean it was the same old song and dance i mean turnovers tennessee had gotten down where they only turned it over 10 times or 13 times they actually won the turnover battle against a and m the problem is they didn't rebound against a and m so it's it's that same old song and dance where you sit there and you go, well, we're better here, but we gave up there. Well, then we work on it, but then the things we just worked on kind of go away. There's got to be a happy medium. That's what coaches are for. And, and I think, you know, hopefully over the last few days, uh, we, we've found some uh, some continuity, some some way to kind of dig in. Because honestly, honestly, my honest opinion, Fulkerson can't play this hard this long for the whole season. We've got to get him help. If we don't get him help, he's gonna he's gonna wear out, and the next thing you know, he's scoring like eight points. He's not really in there a ton of minutes because he's worn out, and then the next thing you know, uh, Tennessee's having to get scoring from freshmen, and I I don't know that they're there yet. I just don't know that they're there yet. But we'll we'll see. I think as we head to Mississippi State, it's gonna be another one of those. How do you respond? Texas A and M took your lunch money. They came in, they did what they wanted to do, they out-rebounded you. How are you going to respond? And I think as a young kid, that this should be an aha moment that I'm in college basketball now. I play at the next level, and this is what's expected of me. And if I can't do it, then I've got to either figure out how to do it or we've got to figure out how we're going to transition. But I think Tennessee's at a crossroads. They've got to respond to what was a lackluster performance against A&M. We'll see if they can do that. Again, the game is the game is Saturday. Uh, it's a 2 p.m. tip time. It's in Starkville, but it'll be on ESPNU and, of course, the Vol Radio Network. But uh, if you get a chance, check it out. I really, like I said, I watch on uh, kind of on bated breath every time the Vols hit the floor because it's I'm waiting on that time when things click. You saw it with the with Grand Admiral Colin Jordan. Let's see when this will roll out for this this version of the young 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 gun Vols. We'll see how that shakes out and what happens here against Mississippi State. But again, Mississippi State, Alabama, Kentucky is the next three games on the Vols schedule, so no room to run and hide. There's been big games coming up. But let's take a break. Listen to these great sponsors when we come back. We're going to switch to the NFL. We're going to stay Super Bowl from here on out as when we come back, top five defenses in the Super Bowl's history as we head to Super Bowl 54. And then we'll talk at the end, the matchup, the Niners and Chiefs for Super Bowl 54. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. Hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. 
Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Then call the only realty team I trust, the Property Squad. When I moved into the area, they sold my old home in 13 days and got me the greatest price on my new home right here in Maryville. Specializing in Blunt Knox and surrounding counties, Deborah Welly, Sherry Paul, Keith Paul, Bill McLean, and Tressa Lickwire make up the dream team of Property Squad and are always working to make the home buying process quick and easy. When it's time to buy or sell a home, remember to call my team, the Property Squad. For more information or to speak with an agent, call 865 865- 983-0011 or visit propertysquad.com. As the demand for a more skilled and technologically advanced workforce has grown in Blunt County over the last decade, a driving force to get more young adults trained to work with our local companies and businesses is the Blunt Partnership. The Blunt Partnership has created working relationships between the public schools and industries to develop education initiatives that prepare an upcoming workforce with the skills needed for them to succeed and build a career. To learn more about these strategies, log on to BluntPartnership.com. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. El Jimador Mexican Grill, authentic Mexican food in Maryville, Tennessee for the past 15 years. Open Sunday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. El Jimador offers Monday through Friday lunch specials with their 15 minutes or free guarantee. Call your order in at 865-681-6040 and delivery is available. You'll enjoy a comfortable environment while gathering with family and friends at El Jimador Mexican Grill, located at 1705 East Lamar Alexander Parkway in Maryville, Tennessee. El Jimador Mexican Grill, a proud sponsor of Blunt County Sports. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Hey, sports fans. Ever thought about having your own sports radio show? Ever thought you could do as well as those so-called experts? Now's your chance. Call 724-1100 or visit our website at WKBL.com to learn more about this exciting opportunity. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. Got golf? iguanifarmsgolf.com 970-7132 Custom shirts, vinyl decals, and all things custom printing. That's what Night Shift Printing brings your way. If you need custom printed accessories, check out my man Jacob Carter of Night Shift Printing. You can contact them direct 321-6845 
or via email at nightshiftprinting at gmail.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T, shiftprinting at gmail.com. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. You don't want to miss it. It's well worth it. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM. Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the Property Squad Studios, the WKBL and Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Friday edition Super Bowl preview of the grind. It's it's man, it's 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 upon us. Seems like it's been the longest two weeks ever. You know, since the AFC Championship, NFC Championship weekend. It's like it's been the longest week, just because well, two weeks. Because you got to the Pro Bowl, and and don't get me wrong, I will say. That it was more interesting than before. I feel like there was a little bit of scoring. It seemed like effort showed up, and and that's something that had kind of been limited. But, you you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, it was still like, nah. You you know what I'm saying? Like, I I still felt like I don't even know why they wore pads. But but it is is what it is. And and maybe it's because it's Friday. I'm thinking about some defense, and I really – you know, kind of smash mouth, kind of get after it. But when you look at the the all-time defenses, I think there's there's a few that it's hard to leave off. And, and I think you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to try not to to leave off those that that are gonna get me some some hate mail, if you will. But uh, we'll just dig right into it. To me, uh, at number five, and and maybe I'll get some some phone calls on this. If you if you've got interest or or have something, you're like, hey, I can't believe you left this team out. Shoot me a call, 865-983-4310, or hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, The Grind on Sports. Uh, check it, check us out, set it up, and uh, and hit us up. But I'm going to start with number five. I think it's the 71 Cowboys. There's a lot of teams you can look at uh, as far as, you know, the the teams that, that shouldn't have been there and how they won and this and that. And, and all that's well and good, but, you know, when I'm looking across, you know, some of the Cowboys teams of the 90s and different things like that, I sit there and go, you know, they're good, but they kind of allowed a lot. You know, like some of these guys, you know, they didn't allow them to score, but it's like 300 yards. And I'm like, I want five teams over the last 53 that are just locked down. I mean, guys don't score. They don't move it. They don't do anything. And that's where the 71 Cowboys came in against the Dolphins in Super Bowl VI. 24-3 was the final Cowboys victory. The defense allowed 185 yards, one interception, one fumble recovery. The Cowboys' defense tore apart the Miami offense as they allowed just three points. They this is the only this has been the only Super Bowl where a team did not allow a touchdown, which makes the performance that much more special. Miami would ha- would be held to just two of nine on third down and only held the ball for 20 minutes and 48 seconds. Again, uh, pretty, pretty broad, uh, pretty uh, hard to, to leave that team off if you look at it and, and think on it for any amount of time. So, so that's number five. Number four, 
the 1974 Steelers, part of the Steel Curtain, against the Vikings in Super Bowl IX. The, the final 16-6 to uh, was the final there. Uh, 119 total yards allowed, one safety, three interceptions, and two fumble recoveries. Fran Tarkenton for the Vikings were, were – he was seeing Steelers into February, into March, because it wasn't, it wasn't a good day. It wasn't a good day for him. Uh, he he uh, he didn't stand a chance as the steel curtain rolled in and rolled out a Super Bowl nine, knew in just what they had done all season. Uh, as as basically they got hit, Tarkenton got hit on every play, nearly every play. You watch any highlight of that defense, and they're all over any quarterback that they were playing. Um, the quarterback was held to just a hundred and two yards passing, and basically seventeen yards of rushing. He wasn't able to take any advantage of scrambling. Fran Tarkenton's known as scrambling Fran, and he didn't do it in Super Bowl Nine. Pittsburgh never trailed. They allowed just 119 yards, and they intercepted Tarkenton three times, who was the best quarterback on the other side. So, I mean, you, you know, you look at it, and the performance in the moment is what we've ranked so far, so I don't know why I would change it as of here. But the 74 Steelers – uh, I've got them at number four. Number three, the Super Bowl shuffle. Uh, I, and, and, you know, I think McIntyre's going to disagree with me there just because of the Steel Curtain's tenure, the, the, the ability to really keep it going. But I just think those 85 Bears, just the personalities that, that came on there, uh, the Super Bowl 20 victory against the Patriots, 46-10 to 10 was the score. So maybe maybe there's an argument they allowed a touchdown. But 123 total yards allowed, four fumble recoveries, two interceptions, and seven sacks. I just feel like that's uh, that's uh, being opportunistic. That's being pesky, as there, there's a word that's used a lot. And then uh, they're just locked down. The Bears' 46 defense completely shut down every facet of a lackluster Patriots offense. The unit allowed a mere seven yards on the ground and 123 yards overall. Chicago also tied a Super Bowl record with seven sacks and forced a another near record, a total six turnovers. Total six turnovers. So, uh, like I said, that 85 Bears team, between the Super Bowl shuffle, the commercials, you know, all the personality that was part of that, and then all that came out of that team. I mean, you look at it, Mike Singletary and all those pieces – that, that became coaches and different things off that 85 Bears team. Had some balls on that 85 team. So, I mean, maybe there was a little bias there. Uh, but uh, at the same rate, the Bears are number three on my list for that 85 season. And as much as we've given credit to the Patriots and as much as I've kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to say eat crow because I'm not believing it. I'm just picking it. One, My number two defense is in response to some of those great players that the Patriots threw, rolled out there. And it's none other than the 2007 Giants-Patriots Super Bowl Super Bowl 42. 17-14 Giants victory. Not as, as dominant of a defensive performance, but it's how what they were faced against and, and the, the trajectory that was proposed going into the Super Bowl. 274 yards allowed, five sacks, and one fumble recovery. But it's not that part. 
It's the fact that Tom Brady and the, and the Patriots came in undefeated. It's the fact that the narrative was when the Patriots win, they match only the the Dolphins of 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 the seventies. It's 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 when this happens and how they're going to do it. And the Giants don't have the horses. It's nice that they've gotten here, but they can't get it done. And I thought the Giants took that to heart. They wrote it down, and they probably read it every single day. Known to a lot as the greatest upset in pro football history, the Giants' defense disrupted an extremely potent Patriots offense. The Giants were led by Justin Tuck, who had two sacks, six tackles, and one forced fumble. And the Giants went on to sack Tom Brady five times and kept him rattled the entire game. The Giants stuffed New England on two fourth down attempts, and they also were able to contain the ground game by holding the unit to just 45 yards on 16 carries. The New England offense is arguably the greatest offense of all time, and the Giants found a way to shut it out. And to me, in the moment, what happens? I mean, you look at our running back list, you look at look at a lot of pieces that we put in our top five. It wasn't historically where do you rank and some of these guys I mean I think the Steel Curtain the 85 Bears they get all-time accolades as well but I think this team just because against all odds and I mean I think as a Tennessee fan or if you're if you're if you're just in the area go back and look at it the comeback kids the the shouldn't win but do that's 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 narrative that Tennessee loves to see it's the sugar balls I mean it's 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 Miami in the early 2000s. We go to their place and take it over. You know, I think when, you know, the way Tennessee responds to things is what this 07 Giants team did. I mean, they they just said, okay, if that's what you believe, the pressure's off. We'll just come in here, do what we can, shut you down, take, take your ring away from you, which is good because I don't know how many more fingers Tom Brady's got to put one on. So, but the 2000 Giants defense I have at number two on the all-time list. And my number one defense of the Super Bowl era, and, and, and maybe it changes Sunday. Maybe it changes two days from now as the Niners defense has the ability to be just as devastating as the one I'm about to say. The 2000 Ravens versus the Giants. Super Bowl 35. 30-7 victory for the Ravens. 152 yards allowed four interceptions, and zero touchdowns allowed. Uh, offensive. Uh, the 7-4 for, for the Giants came defensive or special teams. Both defenses dominated early, but the Ravens' defense dominated for the entire game. Baltimore intercepted Kerry Collins for a then-record four interceptions, including one for a touchdown. Giants punter Brad Maynard set the ugly Super Bowl record with 11 punts. The Giants recorded eight three and outs, and the Giants were a dreadful two for 14 on third down. The Baltimore Ravens defense ranks among the best all time. So again, here's where that some of those lists bleed over. But this Ravens team put it on the line on the biggest stage. And I think you watch you watch any documentary about Ray Lewis, a lot of those speeches, a lot of those those huddle talks that he did, you know, let's go get what's ours was in that 2000 season, and, and he culminated that with a big-time victory over the Giants. And and you look at that team, just the, the nasty side of it. They were just aggressive. You know, it's what you don't see sometimes in, in other professional sports, in the NBA, or even in the NFL at times. 
it nothing nothing chaps me any worse than when when a team loses a football game that they should have won and they stay out on the field just like hamming it up with the other team for like 20 minutes i don't know why but i feel like disgust and like sad and like gonna do better all of that makes me feel good if you lose you should feel bad you get paid to do something, and if it doesn't roll out that way, then it should hurt. I don't know that what that says about me. I don't know what that says about my personality, that I want people to feel bad or to be sad. But I guess what I'm saying is I, I feel that sometimes the responsibility side uh, has left sports, but this 2000 Ravens team didn't see that side of the coin. They were that good. You know, when they lost through the season, they they took that personally. They could have done more. If the team scored at all, they could have done more. And I think that's that's Ray Lewis. I think that's a bunch of the other guys on that Ravens team and, and that Ravens defense. Uh, and, and it was one that stayed good for a long, long time. But the 2000 edition, hungry. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I can't remember. I think it was Jalen Hurts maybe last year that said, you know, when when somebody's hungry, they can eat. But when they're starving, that's a, that's something hard to deal with. And I think I think that 2000 Ravens team was just starving. And when they got to the Super Bowl, they knew they just had 60 minutes left. They knew they could pour it out, empty the cup for 60 minutes and get it done. And they did just that. It was scary what they were able to do. And then ultimately, uh, they did exactly what that was needed they held them out of the end zone on offense. Allowed, you know, I think I think a turnover allowed a score there late, but 30 to 7 final 2000 Ravens Super Bowl champions. It actually happened in the year 2001, but it was for the 2000 season. But uh, you know, that's my top 5 again. Uh w- was interested in in some commentary and 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 just because I take a break don't mean we can't talk about it. If you have a, a an opinion and you want to touch base and call about it, Again, 865-983-4310, and we'll we'll grind it out right here on the Friday edition. But we're going to take our last break of the day, listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk about the matchup that is. We've talked a lot all week about the matchups that were, about the top fives this, the top fives of that. But now it's the Chiefs, it's the Niners. It's the two teams that are a new narrative. In Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl talk, no Patriots, no Steelers, no Broncos, and a new breed of skill and athleticism at the quarterback position. We'll talk it all on the flip. You're listening to the grind right here, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. Super Bowl edition.
Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Whitlock & Company Certified Public Accountants features accounting services for individuals and businesses. Serving Blunt County for over 30 years, everything from income tax preparation services to personalized accounting plans for small businesses and large corporations with over 100 employees for a full range of accounting services, including payroll processing, bookkeeping, individual and business tax returns, compilation, review, and assurance services. It's Whitlock & Company, PC, 375 Fountain View Circle in Alcoa, Tennessee, 37701. Phone 865-984-1040 or 865-981-9638 or visit Whitlock & Company online at whitlockcpa.com. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Then call the only realty team I trust, the Property Squad. When I moved into the area, they sold my old home in 13 days and got me the greatest price on my new home right here in Maryville. Specializing in Blunt, Knox, and surrounding counties, Deborah Welly, Sherry Paul, Keith Paul, Bill McLean, and Tressa Lickwire make up the dream team of Property Squad and are always working to make the home buying process quick and easy. When it's time to buy or sell a home, remember to call my team, the Property Squad. For more information or to speak with an agent, call 865 865- 983-0011 or visit propertysquad.com. A new decade is beginning, and as you consider donating your gently used clothing, furniture, and household items, please remember CARM stores. Your donations allow CARM to continue providing shelter, meals, job training, and programs to those in need in our community. And you can donate at any CARM area store location. Plus, you can even schedule a pickup at your house. Knox Area Rescue Ministries. Because of you, lives are being restored. In Jesus' name. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work? Or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Don't miss Pizza Hut Spirit Day. Help raise funds for Maine support. That's M-A-N-E support. The second Monday of every month at Pizza Hut, 804 Foothills Mall Drive, Maryville, 375 Hannam Street, Alcoa and 2418 Airport Highway in Alcoa. From 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. all day. All you need to do is order a pizza from Pizza Hut on the second Monday of every month, and main support receives 20% of all sales. Custom shirts, vinyl decals, and all things custom printing. That's what Night Shift Printing brings your way. If you need custom printed accessories, check out my man Jacob Carter of Night Shift Printing. You can contact them direct 321-6845 or via email at nightshiftprinting at gmail.com. That's K 
K-N-I-G-H-T, shiftprinting at gmail.com. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. You don't want to miss it. It's well worth it. All the bullets in the world mean nothing if your concealed carry handgun fails when you need it most. The Springfield Armory XDS Mod at 9mm is the pinnacle of reliability. For a limited time at Rule King, get an XDS Mod 2 pistol with Viridian Laser, 5 magazines, and 2 cases for just $379.99. That's $195 off. This is while supplies last only at RKGuns.com and Rule King, America's farm and home store. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind, not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Welcome back inside the Property Squad Studios at WKBL and Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Friday edition Super Bowl 54 preview right here on the grind. As we finish out today's show, got about 15 minutes to go and want to talk about the matchup that is. You know, I think all week I've kind of talked about a little bit of this, a little bit of that, historical Super Bowls, top five list of this position, that position. But I think if you look at it, This matchup right here, Niners and Chiefs, is one that could be really fun to talk about for for a long time. It could be one that that you're pushing on out and you you sit here and you go, man, that might have been one of the best Super Bowls we've seen in a long time. Because I I think it's got all the the new pieces that we've been missing so many times because of the perennial return teams. You know, I'll be – I'll do respect. I mean, I love – I, I'm gonna I like cut out the Peyton because I feel like every time he was there, well, that just made it a lot better. But I'm just I mean I'm just a little biased in that category. But I mean Tom Brady made it a blue million times. I mean he's been there nine times. At some rates, you just know what you're getting. You know what I'm saying? It's just like a rinse and repeat thing. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you've seen you've seen the Steelers in there, even even to a certain degree. Some of these Ravens teams that have poked in there from time to time. It's just, you know, these teams are right there every year. So the fact that they're, you know, that they're in there doesn't really shock a lot of people. You know, their fan bases are like, well, do I really want to try to go or do I just wait till next year? Because they're they're probably going to be just as good next year. So I, I think <laughs> I think all is all is fair game. You, you know what I'm saying? Like I think you can look and, uh, and some people like that. Some people like the, the traditional greats being in games that matter and it draws a big fanship and, and blah, blah, blah. I like new things. And, and, you know, I think I like old things or, yeah, old things that are new again. And I think that's what you've got with Niners Chiefs. 
You know, both teams have success. Both teams have – I mean, heck, the, the the AFC Championship trophy is named after the owner of the Chiefs or the former – the founder owner of the Chiefs. I mean, it's the Lamar Hunt trophy given to the, the Hunt family of the Kansas City Chiefs. The Niners, of course, have their, their dominance because they have five. You know, they're, as, as somebody put on there, starting to fill the other hand this weekend. We'll see if that, that bodes true. But, but been out of it for a while. I mean, you talk about it like since Steve Young left, I don't know the last time they've been real, real good. I mean, people are like, well, you know, Jim Harbaugh got them there with Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith. Yep. But they had flaws. I mean, every team has flaws. I mean, don't get me wrong. Neither one of these teams are perfect. But these are two really good football teams. These are two young-driven football teams that are a new a new breed of, of, of athlete. I mean, I'm seeing Joey Bosa. I'm seeing uh, Pat Mahomes. I'm seeing all these guys on these two different teams, George Kittle even, that are just – they want it. They want it so bad. And, and and a lot of times you see that at this point in the season because I think they understand what this means from a from an accolade standpoint, from a historical standpoint, and from a payday standpoint. Let's not forget about that one. But I think – I still think there's a, there's a different animal here. There's a lot of these guys that went to small colleges. There's a lot of these guys that didn't have the success at the college level that that some of these other ones would have, and their 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 list isn't full yet. Their their story's not written yet. You know, they don't have a backup plan to go back to their college town and, and be the the celebrity. They got to make it, and 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 this fake it till you make it's over with. You're at the Super Bowl now. You got to do what you got to do, and I think it coins. Uh, uh, an interesting dynamic because you have the explosive score in a moment offense of the Chiefs, but then you have the the ground it, pound it, smash in the mouth running game of the Niners, but then you have that defense that allows that to happen. So I think all of these things are going to contribute in some way to how this thing how this thing plays out. You know, it's in Miami, so so in the better. You know, both teams, both fan bases are traveling at a, at a at a pretty drastic level. So I think, you know, that that part of it should be pretty pretty cut and dry. You know, honestly, if anybody's just used to playing in that temperature and that kind of setting, it's probably going to be the Niners. I mean, they're they're a, they're a coast team as well, just the other one. But I don't know. I, I like I like the matchup in a lot of ways. I think the the matchup that you key on is of course the defense of of San Francisco and the offense of my my watch just told me it's time to stand up. I got this. But uh, the defense of San Francisco versus the offense of Kansas City. Pat Mahomes versus Joey Bosa and crew. You look at it, and that's where the game's going to be won or lost. If Pat Mahomes gets loose, KC's going to break a fifty year streak. It's happening. If if Pat Mahomes can play free and does what he wants to do, they're going to win the Super Bowl. But, but, I looked over the course of the season, and there's just really one time that I felt like Pat Mahomes and that offense was really contained, and it was against the Patriots team that just finally figured out a defense. They spied him all the time, had some guy that, that kind of worked that middle that could just be pesky enough to cause him to think just an extra second. Caused him to get sacked several times, caused him to rush some throws, high throws, which that's kind of his M.O. 
If he throws early, he's going to throw high. And so I think that that game has been probably a blueprint uh, for, for defensive coordinator Saleh uh, for the Niners. And I think that's what you got to do. You, you know, I think Nick Bosa uh, is easy to be probably one of the, the, the big proponents for this defense. But don't sleep on DeForest Buckner. I mean, guys getting after it. Like, he's, he's one of those things that knows, uh, you, you know, what, what happens. And another thing that I like about the Niners is, is I don't think they're going to settle. I don't think there's ever going to be a point in the time that, that, that Coach Shanahan feels safe. You want to know why? He was offensive coordinator for Atlanta when they had the, the 28-3 lead and came back and lost. You know, so I, I don't think they're – they're in any kind of shape or any kind of leadership uh, to be to be okay with just being ahead. Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to have a good game. I, I don't think it's going to be defense alone. I don't think I, I could be wrong, but I don't think that that it's going to be one of those deals where this Niners team shuts out Patrick Mahomes. I, I think that's almost unheard of. But I do think it could be a time. I do think it could be a game where you, you look at it and. And it could be low scoring. I think it could be, uh, you, you know, if if he's going to have to score over 20 points, let's put it that way, to beat Patrick Mahomes. Unless the defense, you know, gets a pick six or something like that or a, a special teams touchdown, that's going to come on the shoulders of Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders, and, and those guys. I ain't saying they can't do it. I mean, Lord knows if they get a lead, that old Mostert will, will just pound it until the, the cows come home. He'll just run and run and run and run, and there you'll be. But I I keep struggling because at the same rate, you know, we, we talked about both sides of this coin. Patrick Mahomes, does he get free? If he plays free, then it's the Chiefs' advantage. If, if the defense is strong for, for the Niners, as we know they will be, well, then it's an advantage for the, for, for the Niners. The game's in Miami, so all that takes, takes into account. The stands are more than likely – Going to be a pretty decent split. Everybody's going to be in red, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just yell when you need to yell. But I keep going back and forth. And and Mr. Ward, Mr. Jason Ward, says his, he said Niners from the start of the, the, the playoffs, and I don't know why I'd go against him now. I'm going to have to roll with the Niners. I, I mean, I think – I, I don't think it's going to be a shutout. I don't think it's going to be a, a, a you know holding Patrick Mahomes to a field goal kind of night. I think it's going to be a little scoring, and I think in the fourth quarter things are going to matter. I really do. But I think at the end of the day, they have enough pieces, they have enough ability to spy Patrick Mahomes and really lock things down and not only you know stop them, but get them in third and long situations. Get them in situations that aren't, just cut and dry situations. And then, quite frankly, me being a fundamental guy, the Chiefs make more mistakes when things matter. I mean, you watch that AFC Championship game. They were jumping off sides on defense, extending plays, taking it you know, on defense and making it from a third and eight to a third and three. Those kind of things get you beat against against this Niners team because, oh, that running back for, 40, for the 49ers – he licks his chops at, at three and under yardage because he knows he can get it. He himself just laying down is three yards. If he can fall forward, he's going to beat you. 
and I just that that's what makes the difference. That's what puts me with the Niners. And and you know, I think that may be the biggest biggest advantage for the Chiefs is that I pick the Niners, but at the same rate, I'm gonna have to ride with it. I think the defense is gonna be smothering. I think they're gonna spy Patrick Mahomes, and I think they'll they'll let him get his, but he's not gonna get it to a whole lot of other people. And I think there's good good pieces on the back end of that defense to get it done. That that hurts me for Colquitt. Because, again, I don't know how many more times he's going to have the opportunity to get here, but it does make me feel good for Mosley to know that either way, however the Super Bowl pans out, a former of all uh, will win a championship. So, again, I'm going to roll with the Niners, and that's kind of going to be my pick for Super Bowl 54. But a little side nugget here, a little side nugget. Uh, listening on the way in, you know what the average ticket price for for Super Bowl tickets are right now, just right now? This is off the market, not face value, not Ticketmaster, whatever. Just on the secondary market. So StubHub, all those places that I'm not plugging. Uh, $6,800 per ticket. I don't know. I'm not sure there's many events in the world ever that I'm willing to pay $6,800 to go see. Especially if I'm a fan of either team, because you pay that much money and lose. Like, I may burn. I mean, I feel like those are the moments when jersey burning happens. You know what I'm saying? 6800 bucks. Like, I just wish I had that that option. Like, that's the good thing about my salary is that, that, uh, that that's way up there. <laughs> that option is uh, not even on my table. Uh, it's not, it may be not even on, even on my bank's table. <laughs> But, you know, $6,800 per ticket, and that's average. Does that sink in? Average. They said by game time it'll be 7000 or more average ticket price to see what is a historic uh, Super Bowl because you've got two teams that have won before, but it's been a good little bit, especially if the Chiefs were to win, break a 50-year streak. I mean, those are things you remember for a lifetime where you're at. But I can remember where I'm at on my on my couch. You know how many times I'd have to make a good story or what kind of good uh, good side dishes I can have for sixty eight hundred bucks. I mean, I can buy a new TV, like a huge TV, like even a projection system, for sixty eight hundred dollars and watch this game. That just shocks me. I don't know why I'm hung up on this, but that's just that's not a little money. That's not a, a kind of a bit. That's a chunk. That's a huge bit that old, uh, that the Miami Stadium and the NFL are pulling in per ticket. That place holds. Let me let me do a little quick math real quick. I, I got about a minute, and I'm going to have to do, get on out of here. Let, let's just do some quick math. Most NFL stadiums hold 60,000. So if you do 6,800 times 60,000, hmm, that ain't bad. 408 million. <clears throat> Yeah, tickets alone, not concessions, not memorabilia, not T-shirts, tickets, tickets. And that's average, average. Just put that out there, $6,800. So just this weekend, go to Food City, go to Kroger, go to any of the the food line, go to any of the the local grocers, and no, you can ball out, spend all the money you want. Still not going to get to that Super Bowl ticket price. So just have a good night. Have a good weekend. Uh, Tennessee has South Carolina for the Lady Vols has Mississippi State for the men balls and Super Bowl 54 will be Sunday. If you're if you're going to watch it, 
just kind of keep tabs on us because we're going to stay live as much as we can through the Super Bowl, have some discussion, of course, have some some little little contact. And then next week, a new change for the grind as we're going to step up and step out and get with 42nd Street over here in Maryville and get our social media on, get our website on, and just brand this thing to the max. But uh, if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, have a great weekend, and grind on. I'll see you next week.